You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. this because God is always working in our lives to do things. You may be praying for a loved one. You may be praying for a restored relationship. You may be praying for whatever it is that you're praying for. We must have confidence and faith to wait on God as he prepares the things to set them up. And you know what? I have found in my own life, it could take a long time, but we're not to lose hope in God. We do indeed pray to God for many things. Perhaps it's for something you want or for a specific person. However, we have a tendency to expect a quick response to our prayers. Pastor Dave tells you how God has a plan for everything in your life in today's message. All you have to do is put your faith in Him and be patient. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 as he continues his message, Man of Faith. We expect Jesus to come at any moment. We believe that his return is imminent. What are we to do? Well, Jesus told us, occupy till I come. Go about my father's business. Go about our father's business. Continue to preach the gospel. Continue to be the light in the midst of a dark world. Continue to talk to people about Jesus Christ. Continue to help and love each other the way Christ has loved us. All those things that we're supposed to do, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to find the highest mountain and all sit around and sing kumbaya until the Lord comes. That's not what he has asked us to do. He's asked us to continue to keep busy. Even the prophet Isaiah, even Isaiah says this in Isaiah 28, 16. In Isaiah 28, 16. 28.16, Isaiah says this, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Waiting on the Lord is important for us to do. Not to go out and act hastily when we believe God has called us to do something, because as we're waiting, he's preparing us. As we're waiting to find out what's going on, he is preparing us. Nehemiah didn't rush off after he prayed and tried to do things in his own muscle. He waited. He waited. He waited four months. He didn't try to do things on his own. He did not act hastily, but he waited. He waited on the Lord to show him and guide him. And I think this is an important admonishment for us. God has called each of you to do something, and maybe you don't know what it is yet, but you need to wait on him to show you. And we need to wait till him to show you, and he will. True faith in God brings a calmness to your heart. True faith in God brings a calmness up here. What does Paul call it? The peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what Paul calls it. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And what? The peace that surpasses all understanding will do what? Guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 
See, so that is a calmness in your heart. That's a calmness. This calmness keeps you from running frantically around trying to help God out and fulfill your prayer or your dreams. Well, God told me this was going to happen. I got to help him out. He's taking too long. I got to give him a help out. Well, when you get to heaven, you can ask Abraham about that. (laughs) See how well that worked out for him. I still have to ask him, what were you thinking? Anyhow. We will never get anywhere trying to do things on our own strength. And you know that. It's not like I'm preaching to people who don't. You know that. In our own strength, Jesus says we can do nothing. He says in John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. In and out of our own strength. Many of us, been there, done that, have the scars and the ripped up t-shirts to prove it. We've been there. We've got scars on our bodies because we tried to do things in our own strength. We've tried to do things when we thought the Lord was leading. And he might have been leading us. But we didn't wait upon him to fully get us together. Even with me coming down here those 17 years, a couple times I tried to push it. I tried to do this and tried to do that. And he closed doors left and right on me. You have to wait and be patient in your waiting I found that we need to be patient. And I like this. And this is something that has come to me lately. We need to allow God to be God. We need to allow God to be God. God wants to be God. He wants to be God in our lives. He wants to teach us and guide us and lead us. Weeping and praying is okay. But we also must continually pray, continually ask, seek, and knock until the Lord moves us. We must be moving about or doing the things that he's called us to do. Reading his word brings a calmness to our spirit. Studying his word brings a calmness to our spirit. Waiting on the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, please hear this. Waiting on the Lord is not a waste of time. It is not a waste of time. It is an investment. It's an investment. Why? Because during the waiting period, I just said it before, God's preparing you. God is preparing you and he's preparing whatever you're going to do. If you're praying about ministering to somebody, as you're waiting for God to open up a door, he's preparing you and he's preparing for the person you're going to minister to. He's preparing both parts. I've seen this too many times. And he prepares the circumstances that are things will be accomplished also. And he uses this. When the time arrives, you'll know it. When the time comes, you will know it. It'll be unmistakable. And then, friends, don't delay. Then you must move forward. Then you must move forward. To delay is sin. Because God has called you. He's prepared you. And now he's saying, get thee out there. And you need to move. You need to go. You need to move when God calls you. So Nehemiah, the king looks at Nehemiah and says, why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? He's never been sad in the king's presence before. I might add that looking sad in the king's presence could be a dangerous thing. Most kings don't like bad news. Most kings want you happy and joyous around them. When you're sad in front of them, they don't like that. They have something about that. Verse 2, therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you're not sick, there is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. I guess so. The king noticed that you were ill or yet you were not ill and you were sad. Like I said, it's not good to be sad around the king. King could have been angry 
at Nehemiah for being sad. You have to realize kings. You have to realize their psyche. He could have been mad for Nehemiah. But Nehemiah couldn't hide his sadness. You know, and there's a a beautiful scripture that I tagged here in um, Proverbs. In Proverbs 15, if I can get it here. In Proverbs 15, verse 13. Says, a merry heart makes cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The king looked into Nehemiah's sorrow and he knew it wasn't from illness. He knew there was something deeper happening in his heart. Maybe Nehemiah prayed every morning to the Lord that the Lord would open a door. And allow him to speak to the king. Because that was his original prayer. If you go back to chapter 1. Nehemiah asked the Lord that he would make a way for him to speak to the king. You just didn't walk up to the king and go, uh, by the by buddy. Um, no, you don't do that to the king. But because of Nehemiah's position, cupbearer, he was in close relationship to the king. But he knew that God would eventually open a door. Why? Because Nehemiah knew that God was in control. We have to know that when we pray, God hears our prayers. We have to know that God is in control of all things. It's called his sovereignty. We've talked about that many, many times before. But the king broaches the subject. Why are you so sad? Open door, Nehemiah. Here it is. Here's the open door you've been waiting for. God now sets the whole thing up. The king asks, why are you so sad? Nehemiah, what a great thing. So Nehemiah, a man of faith, He had the faith to wait. And next we see he had the faith to act. He had the faith to do what he was called to do at the time he was called to do it. Nehemiah steps out in faith and speaks to the king about what is on his heart. Look at 2B and 3. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Good way to approach a king. And then he says, why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Instead of being afraid of the king, Nehemiah steps out in faith. Think about it. God had everything under control in this situation, including having Nehemiah in the position of cupbearer where the king would see him. Now, if you saw somebody on a regular basis every single day and they never had a frown on your face, you too would know immediately if there was something wrong by the countenance of the person. We know each other real well and we see each other. I can tell when there's something wrong with y'all and I'm sure you can tell when there's something wrong with me because I can't hide a thing. But we know that. We know that. So this is what's happening. Nehemiah was in a position of close relationship to the king. And when the king asked, he had to speak. He had to speak. Nehemiah boldly now tells the king why his countenance is so sad. Look at verse 4. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to God of heaven. I love this. I love this. The king says to uh, Nehemiah, what do you want? I wonder... (laughs) I wonder if Nehemiah slyly looked to heaven like, you got to be kidding me, right? 
I wonder, if he, I wonder if he looked up at heaven when he said, what do you want? You know, it's like, what would you love to hear? What would you love to hear when you're witnessing to somebody? Tell me what you would love to hear. I know what I would love to hear. What do I have to do to be saved? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, we all want to hear those things, right? We all want to hear those. So Nehemiah gets his answer or, or gets his wish. The king says, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure he looked at heaven. And, be, and he says a quick prayer. I love that too. He says a quick prayer. He didn't look at the king and said, I'll be back in a couple of minutes and go off here and pray for about a half hour and then come running back to the king. No, he says a quick prayer. What did it sound like? God, help me. I don't know what it sounded like. I don't know what it was. But he said a quick prayer right before he starts talking to the king. I love this about Nehemiah. It's probably because Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was used to speaking to God. God was used to hearing from Nehemiah. And God always loved it when Nehemiah prayed to him. Just like he loves it when we pray to him. When we get on our knees and cry out to him. When we ask him things. When we tell him how much we love him. When we accept his love for us. When we pour our heart out in front of them. Remember, it had been four months since the first time he prayed. And I'm sure each successive day, he continued to pray. He didn't just pray once and say, oh, that's it. He continued to pray. It was those prayers of Nehemiah that set up this conversation. I hope you're hearing this because God is always working in our lives to do things. You may be praying for a loved one. You may be praying for a restored relationship. You may be praying for whatever it is that you're praying for. We must have confidence and faith to wait on God as he prepares the things to set them up. And you know what? I have found in my own life, it could take a long time. But we're not to lose hope in God. We're not to lose faith in God. We have to remember that he heard the prayer and he's working mightily. God works all things together for good for those that loved him are that are called according to his purpose. That has to be in our mind on a constant basis. Nehemiah, he couldn't knew. He couldn't say a word without talking to the Lord first. So he quickly said, and I don't know how he did them. Imagine if Nehemiah had kept silent, what do you think would have happened? Well, maybe not nothing. Surely he would not have been sent away, but it could have been misinterpreted by the king. Excuse me, I asked you a question. I beg your pardon. Do you realize who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you, who do you think I am? You know, I mean, anyhow, he could have really been upset with him if he failed to open his mouth. He quickly prayed and opened his mouth. Psalm 81.10, open your mouth and I will fill it. That's what the Lord says. Mark 13.11, Jesus says, but whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So you're prepared for this time. You're ready to go. And now God's going to use you. Do you think he's going to just leave you standing there without words to say? But he's looking for someone. Remember, he's looking to and fro throughout the land for a heart that he can show himself strong on behalf. He's waiting for you to take that step of faith and open your mouth. This could be something like witnessing to somebody. 
Somebody that you've prayed for, somebody that you, you love, somebody that you, you keep praying for. Or it could be strangers that you see in the corner and all of a sudden the Lord's pushing you. Don't push. He's pushing you. Go, go talk to them. And you go over there and you pray. Okay, Lord. And he gives you words to say. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Here's what he has to say. Let's look at five through eight. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, he knows how to talk to the king. Lord, live forever. And if it pleases you, I like that. And if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? Very good questions. Interesting questions. So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me the timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my my God upon me. Wow. Here's this beautiful setup. And that's exactly what it was. It was a setup. It was a setup by God. Look at the contrast here. This, I, you know me, I always go off on the tangents. Look at the contrast here between going to an earthly throne, this time it happens to be Artaxerxes, and going to the heavenly throne. Nehemiah had to wait for an invitation to address the king. What's wrong? What do you want? And then he shared his burden. According to Hebrews 4, 14, and 16, we can come anytime to the throne of grace. We can come anytime to the throne of grace. And he adds boldly and ask what we need in a time of need. There's a huge difference there. Artaxerxes saw that Nehemiah's countenance was sad. But the Lord looks upon your heart. He knows our sadness. He knows our sorrows. He feels each one of your sorrows and your pain, and he takes it personally. He knows what's going into your life right now. He knows what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with. He knows your joy. He knows your sadness. He knows your sorrows. He knows your hurts. He knows all those things that are running around in your head. He, and he knows that because he looks upon your heart, and he sees that, and he identifies with you. And he wants you to know that he loves you. And he feels each one of your sadnesses. He feels each one of your sorrow. He knows that. Moses goes to the burning bush and he accuses the Lord. Have you not seen their affliction? Don't you know their sorrow and what's going on? And the Lord retort was, yes, I've seen their affliction. I've heard their cries and I know their sorrow. God knows. God knows what you're dealing with. Come to him. How wonderful that we can go to God at any time, 24-7, and lay our burdens at his feet. How wonderful. Do you do that? Do you go to him and lay your burdens at your feet? Ah, That's just too minor. No, no, no. There's nothing too small that God can't handle, and there's nothing too large that God can't handle. You have to present it to him. He's going to receive them. 
And then he's going to do everything according to his purpose and his will in your life. Peter, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. How simple can it get? Because of his great, awesome, and wonderful care for you as his child, you then can get to cast your cares on the creator of the universe, on the most holy God. Wow. Did you ever think about that? Nehemiah was ready to give an answer to the king. And as soon as the king asked, Nehemiah knew. Once the king asked, Nehemiah knew my prayers have been answered. My prayers have been answered. The king's asking for this. Now I know I have favor with the king. So Nehemiah reveals his intentions for him. Why? Because Nehemiah had a plan. He had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do, and he worked it all out because he knew once he went to the king, he couldn't just say, I want to go to Jerusalem. The king was going to ask, how are you going to get there? What are you going to do? And he had a plan. He had everything worked out. He was doing this during these four months. As I said, God was preparing him. He was listening to God. He was hearing him as he prayed. He would listen to God. And so often, folks, we pray and pray and pray and pray. And it's a wonderful thing. But then do you stop and listen? After you've prayed, are you still? And listen to him for his voice so that he would speak to you. Oh, so important. So important. So important. He asked the king, I need authority to govern. I just can't go out there without the authority to govern. And he asked for letters to be written, guaranteeing his passage. Guaranteeing his passage. When Jesus sent the disciples out to minister to people, the first thing he gave them, authority. He gave them authority. I'm sending you out in my name. They had authority. They had the authority they needed to do what he was called to do and to complete the job. Fast forward that. You can see that in Matthew 10, verses 1 to 5. We too, now, as we go out and work for the Lord, according to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, what do we have? His authority. He has given us his authority to go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, making disciples. We too don't have to be afraid. What's important here is to do what the Lord asked you to do and to go where the Lord asked you to go. Don't be afraid of where he's asking you to go. If he asks you to go someplace, he will provide all the necessary means, all the necessary funds, and all the necessary way for you to get there. God, it does that. I have seen it happen in my own life many, many times. The king's response is evidence of one thing, the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And he has this king, this Gentile king, doing his bidding. I love it. I love it. See, what we fail to realize is God not only works in our lives, in all our affairs, but he's working in every nation's of the world's lives and their affairs too. You think that God doesn't know what's happening in the Ukraine? You're mistaken. He knows exactly what's happening there. He has a plan, and his plan will come to fruition. And we need to be faithful and true to him and trust in him because he knows what he's doing. Trust me, gang, Father does know best. You are a sure.
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been teaching from the book of Nehemiah and sharing the story of how the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt through Nehemiah's great leadership and the blessing of the Lord. Once the wall was fully rebuilt, the people came together for one specific purpose. We read about it in Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3, which says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The first thing the people did when the work was complete was to turn to God's Word. The work was all done under the direction and protection of God, and going to His Word when it was done brought God glory. When you're done with the work, don't forget to worship. Thanks for joining us today on A Sure Hope. If you want to hear more teachings from Pastor Dave, simply head on over to AsureHopeRadio.com. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. You'll find archived teachings and links to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube. And with that, we'll see you next time on A Sure Hope.